0: You know, there are times, I've I've shared with you before, there are times you walk in here, I do, I look up a lot, and you just wonder if the angels are perched. <laughs> Some might say, well, they don't like that kind of music, so they don't. <laughs> I get that. It's too loud. I get that too, and we're trying. We are genuinely trying. Uh, but I also hope when I look at that, the Word says, that this great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews talks about almost like this track field, as you've heard the illustration many of you have before, where you're running on the track and you're running and you just want to quit and you want to give up, and all of a sudden the crowd just starts standing And starts cheering you on and starts encouraging you. That's what I think of. Because some of you may have come here today wanting to quit. But that great cloud of witnesses, go, keep going, keep going. As I shared with you last week, this task put in front of us is so monumental, it's superhuman. It's supernatural, or we can't do it. It's battling evil, advancing the kingdom, and helping folks, including ourselves, to become mature in Christ. That will not happen without superhuman beyond us. The ability to do that. It just won't happen, won't happen in your life. It won't happen in those you touch because it is God that does that. But we become available. He begins to equip us. He begins to give us, many have, I don't have the biggest tools here. Today I've got some big ones at the house, but he begins to give us this toolbox, a tool bag and he begins to give us weapons to fight the fight. You know, a lot of times you know how to, you've got tools, you just don't know how to use them. You ever had those? And You find out later somebody goes, have you ever worked with somebody that really is a craftsman and if you've got a tool and they go, well, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? That's not how you use that. Oh, yeah, it may work the way you're doing but it's very inefficient. (laughs) But we not just have tools and gifts and weapons, but we need to know how to use them. Many of you have seen this, and just so you know, if you only come on occasion and you say, I saw that ladder last time, you hadn't been here in a long time, just so you know. (laughs) I haven't used that ladder in a couple of years, and by the way, and I'm going to talk about giving today, do so I'm just going to go ahead and get your ears perked up about that. If it's the last time you came here, you heard me talk about that. That's been a couple of years, too, so you need to come more often, just so you know. The reason why we use this, especially where we're in Ephesians 4, most of you know, I've, this is an illustration I believe the Lord gave me years ago. It may not be any, of any benefit to you, but it is to some, because I have people refer to it. Is that when we come to Christ, as Billy Graham would say, at the cross, the ground is level. You don't come with a caste system. You don't come with any hierarchy. We all come at the same place. We need grace. We can't earn it. Only he can give it. That's what happens. That's it. But what does, I believe, begin to happen? God begins to mature us. He wants to stretch us. He wants to take us somewhere. He doesn't just want to leave us there. It's a place to start, but you can't stay there. Okay, so what he does is, I believe, in these rungs, if they were God's rungs, they would be much further apart, like three feet. But I'm going to tell you right now, I can stretch further than I used to could two weeks, two, three or four months ago. I got a new hip. That helps a lot. And I've lost like a, like I've lost like a kindergartner off my body in the last month. That helps too. Okay, so the kindergartner's no longer hanging on me. So that's helpful. But God's rungs are far enough apart when when you come to him, you have to stretch, baby. He ain't going to make it easy. You're going to have to know you're moving. You're going to have to make some sacrifices. You're going to have to give up some things. And what I mean by that is it's things you shouldn't, it, the things that are holding you back already. But God begins to stretch you. And you go to that next rung. And you get good and solid on that next that, that rung. And boy, God begins to go. And you're going, all right, man, I'm comfortable here. I am, I, I, God is gifting me. And all of a sudden, what does he do? Here we go. And if, he, if you'll listen to him, you know where he's taking you. Right? You know where he's taking you, where it says, do not sit or stand. <laughs> right? right? He's taking you to a place... And here's what's awesome the further you go up. Right now, I should have Pat, Joel, come here just real quick for me. You know why I'm calling those two, and it's nothing to slapping the rest of you. I trust these guys. <laughs> One on each side. The higher up you go, the better you better surround yourself with. You need community. This is no Lone Ranger thing. And the further he's stretching you and the further he's taking you, the more solid those people you're with, you better figure out who you're hanging out with. Oh, I'm, I, get this now. You've heard me say this a thousand times, seems like. I don't know if I've said it a thousand, but close. I'll minister to anyone. I mean, literally anyone. But I choose my influencers very, very carefully. Because they influence everything about my life. They influence how I'll lead this church. They influence how I'll run my family. They influence everything. So I have got to make unbelievable priority who is influencing me. And some of you may think you are, and you're really not. (laughs) Because you look at me different than I look at you. Speak the truth in love. I love you. And I'll hang out with you if you never give here ever at this church or you ever do anything for this church. I'll do that, but I'm going to tell you right now, I choose my influencers very, very carefully because they affect everything I do. Thank you, guys. Fine job you did there. (laughs) Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. So God calls us, God calls us, doesn't he, to maturity. Ephesians 4 is about maturity. Guess what? When we go to Philippians next month or some year, whenever that is, Next month, guess what? It's talking to a mature church. There's an expectation there. So if you're going to become valuable in the kingdom or useful, as 2 Timothy 2.22 says, useful to the master to do any good work, then guess what? You need to figure out what your tools are and how to start using them. Some of you just need to get a level and kind of figure where you are right now. Okay? That's what you need to do. You don't need to even try to figure out this. Just figure out where you are right now. What's the greatest? If you're going on a trip, what's the first thing you have to know? Not where you're going, even though Christ-likeness is it. It's where you are right now. Because if you don't figure that out, and you're not open and clear, and we'll talk about that more next week, is the hindrance for most people, all people, every, every human that's ever lived, actually, will fit into next week's sermon but I just want to share with you today how much God loves you. This is awesome. You're already in the battle. You're already in the fight. Right? Have you not felt it? Have you not had it wash over you? Have you not felt like you were surrounded? So why not figure out the tools and the weapons to fight? And in the process, you become a tool and a weapon. That's good news. The gospel is good news. And if it's good news for you, it's good news for everybody you know. Or it's not good news at all. We need to know how to fight in battle for our own souls because when we're healthy and whole we can make a difference in other people's lives but when we're dysfunctional we're probably in some ways not much use to anybody else and then we got to begin to fight for those around us fight for our community fight for our country fight for our world one of the reasons i love the singing and I know some of you come and you're kind of in between on that. I just don't see in Scripture where you can kind of, You may not like our music. I get that. Or maybe too loud. Whatever. There could be some things. That, I get that. But singing? I mean, colleges do fight songs at the end of their game. We sing a national anthem. Why? Because it brings unity. It not only connects us to what we, it brings us for a moment to, to concentrate on what we believe. But it brings us together. How many of you sang the national anthem after 9-11? And you didn't care what lifestyle or what uh, 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 politics the next person was to you. You didn't care. But you had to sing it. You had to say it. That's a weapon. It's a weapon that some of you are not even picking up. But another tool that God gives us And it's found in Ephesians, you wonder if I was ever going to get to Ephesians 4, I know that. (laughs) Ephesians 4 is this, Ephesians 4, 7 through 13, we're going to read today. I'm going to read a few other scriptures that will go with this. Here we go. And yeah, I'm not going to read all of Ephesians 4 again, because y'all have heard that enough probably over the last few weeks, or you can look it up. But to each of you, grace has been given. As Christ apportioned it this is why it says when he ascended on high he took many captives and gave gifts to his people what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions he who descended is the very one who ascended at all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe Christ so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I hope that is your hope and desire, is to attain the fullness of Christ in your life. There's all kinds of ways that can happen. I mean, there's our circumstances, there's all kinds of battles you may fight. But one of the things God gives us in this process is the gifts of the Spirit. And I, we have talked about it here. We have been guilty, and most churches are. People have done spiritual gifts tests over and over, and they don't, still don't know what to do with them. Because even if you have a tool, if you don't know what to do with it, you may even abuse it. In a way, and I don't mean that in an immoral way, you just didn't know what to do with it. I mean, if I got this out, could I use this as a hammer for a while? Sure. Sure. But it wouldn't last long. I could use it for a while. Every single believer, without exception, has been given some grace. But Paul is referring to here not to saving grace, which we all have. But to this additional grace, which is giving us the gifts for ministry. They're not given for our personal satisfaction. They're not given for our reputation. Hey, look what they are. Look how they are. Look where they get to be up for. Look. Matter of fact, if you read 1 Corinthians 12 all the way through, you'll realize it actually says the lower parts are actually sometimes the most valuable. Again, would you rather have a good digestive system or a full head of hairs? eugene peterson says but that's what he says the apostle calls them here god's grace christ's grace in other words god's christ's generosity and he gives these the word says as he sees fit you won't have all of them nobody will have all of them but I think as you begin to mature and you begin to stretch and you begin to walk, there may be some come to light that you didn't even know were there until you walked in faith and you were not able to even know what to do with them until you were at a certain maturity. My gift mix, which I'll show here, not right now, but I'll show here in a little bit, has changed. My number one right now is different than it was four or five years ago. Or maybe longer than that. Maybe 10 years ago. Just just so you know. You may get here, 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 and here. And still only one gift be evident. That's all right, Because it's not earned. All I'm saying is God may reveal more as you go. Some people may see it. Way before you see it. Read you a few passages of scriptures here. Just so you'll. Be comfortable, but 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 27, this is, uh, this is uh, Eugene Peterson's, the message. It says, the way God designed our bodies as a model for understanding our lives together as a church, every part dependent on every other part, the parts we mention and the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, the other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every part enters into exuberance. Isn't that awesome? We're happy for everybody. Whatever God's doing. you are Christ's body. that's who you are. You must never forget this. Romans 12: through, eight, three through eight. For by the grace given me, I say to everyone you, do not think of yourself more highly than you are." That is some some, people, some of you need to underline that. <laughs> now, but no, but, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment the location. You need to think about where you are. Think about who you are and whose you are. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 1 Peter 4.10, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards, stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I believe the gifts will, for, for many of you or all of us, will function as a signpost. I think if you were trying to get on the path and on the route and on the right road, what gifts will begin to do is give you signposts along the way to tell you, turn here, turn there, do this. It's one of those things. Not all of it, but it's one of them. Because your gifts should be in perfect harmony with what God's trying to do in your life. But let me say this, what spiritual gifts are not, Spiritual gifts are not learned. In other words, you can't go to college and get one. We can't have a class here and you get one. We can help you enhance it. We can help you understand the responsibility and how to use it, but we can't give you one. We can't teach you to one. You can go get get a teaching degree but still not have the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching is an anointing that is only given by the Spirit as they impart spiritual. As they impart part spiritual truth to your life. You can't just want it. Spiritual gifts are not confused with natural talents, like sports or even musical. There can ways that you can do it in creative communication, but but that in itself, it could be traits you get from your parents because they're good. I don't know all that. Spiritual gifts are not the fruit of the spirit. That has to do with maturity that we'll talk about again a little bit next week. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, forbearance. They are not spiritual disciplines. In other words, you don't just go read your Bible and that gives you. That's a spiritual gift. God may give you prophetic word from there. But the spiritual disciplines themselves are not spiritual gifts. Spiritual gift is an enablement or a capacity that is divinely bestowed upon every believer, every individual believer, and each has its unique design. Spiritual gifts are to impart spiritual truth. They're to be anointed. They're necessary to fulfill the mission God has given you, your family, and the church. They're critical. It's how the body moves forward. It's how the body matures. I believe there's churches. I think churches get kind of in those stretching stages too, not just individuals. But bodies of believers do Just a few things before I kind of move past this. Every believer has something to contribute. One. The work through individuals. No individual should ever boast about what spiritual gift they have. It's kind of like boasting that you're 6'2". That you're or boasting that you got blue eyes. You did Nothing. unmerited, it says grace is what it says, it's what Paul says you did nothing with this caveat you did nothing to earn it but by being obedient the revelation of it and manifestation very well may come to light some of you got some things hanging on to you though it's keeping you from getting there I just just believe that There is no point to feeling envious. The spiritual gifts list that comes from Network of Willow Creek, and some could argue on this, but if you have that up there for me, please. And you can go, and there's 23 that they list, and, we, and then there's different ones you can look at. What's awesome about knowing your spiritual gift or gifts, which I believe are gifts also, You no longer feel unworthy because you've been seen by the creator of the universe with this unique, specific for you. Until we did this 20 years ago, I mean, I didn't tell her I was gonna use her as illustration, Jan, I don't think, ever realized the gift of hospitality was on her. Once you realize the gift of hospitality or whatever helps, then you begin to walk in it. God begins to use it. And you begin to look for other opportunities. Then you begin to maybe say no to other things. We don't like that in the church. I think sometimes why our spiritual teaching is so anemic and so lean in the churches because maybe some of our teachers are doing other things they shouldn't be doing because they're having to cover all this kind of ground and some of you need to be stepping into your space. So our teaching gets lean because the teachers who are gifted are also having to cover other areas where you should be stepping into. I don't know. Again, Paul's call here to unity does not come as a result of being the same, but from this diverse nature of working towards one goal. I love what 1 Peter says, faithful stewards of God's grace. You've been given something. We we don't talk about stewardship maybe as much outside the church, but we should be in the church. We've been given something. Now, how are we going to steward what we've been given? That includes your story. That is, as I said, your divine drama. That includes all that. How do we become stewards of grace in its various forms? My gift is the power to bless others. And what I've realized is. If I don't live into my gifts, I'm not only cheating me, I'm cheating the people around me. We say, and we we quoted it, and you know it's my life verse: "The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy." But we have it happening in our lives every single day. If they were robbing your house, or they were robbing your bank account, or they were whatever, you would try to stop it. It all you had to try to stop it. If they were robbing your child, if they were robbing your spouse, you would figure out how to stop it. But when it comes to this, we're willing to let the enemy steal it. Help me with that. None of us want to be stolen from, but the Word says, Jesus says, He that is his only job. So if I don't live in the fullness of what God is asking me, no matter what circumstances are going around me, I'm not only cheating me, I am cheating my spouse. If I'm married, I'm cheating my children. If I'm a parent, I'm cheating those around me. I've got to live in it. I am a steward. You know what I think is funny around here, and I'm going to talk about it this morning just a little bit. Most of us would say today, "I want to, I want God first in my marriage." Most would say that. Most would say, "I want God first if I'm a parent. I want God first in my parenting." And you might even say, "I want God first. in my service and my gifts and graces. But if I said to you this morning, do you want to have God first in your finances? What happens? Where does your mind go? He's given you a weapon and a tool. Your finances are a weapon and a tool. They're a gift. You know, God gave me a gift this week. God gives me gifts in all kinds of different ways. I'll mention it here in just a minute. But one of these things, he's given me tools and weapons, I believe, to fight the battle, to advance the kingdom, to help maturity in Christ. And part of those are my finances. Because one of the things we talk about here is the gift of giving. Now, that's somebody that may have the gift in an unusual way, but obedience, each one of us have an obedience to walk in that. And God may lead us to generosity. He, he will actually want to lead us to generosity, but at least it starts with obedience. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. I'm not a wine drinker, but I'm all for that. (laughs) The first fruits. The tithe. And I believe it's the ground floor, if you will, in following Christ as far as when you give. But it's not a token And I realize some may feel like they have to work up to that. But 10%, not what's left over, 10% of the first. And you can give it here and there and there and here, fine. But I'm just saying, this is God's Word, in my opinion. And as I mentioned it this morning, does it seem like a mechanical obligation to you, a religious tax? I don't... But as Martin Luther said, there are three conversions necessary. The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and conversion of the purse. And we believe the use of money is a deep, deeply spiritual issue. I never take this lightly when I speak on it. and I very seldom speak on it. It's a deeply spiritual issue. Way more than you think it is. I believe it gives an honest reflection of your journey with God. Because I believe this, if you don't have people's real commitment in that area, you'll never get their real commitment, period. You just won't. And I know some would say the tithe is the old law, and my answer is you're right in many ways. However, grace is never below the law. It's always above the law. It always is. So 10% is light compared to what God's grace may ask you. I mean, when he says don't commit murder, Jesus comes along and says don't have hate in your heart for your brother. And that's above. Grace goes above the law. Christ's coming takes us above it. I started tithing 30 years ago because I thought everybody else did. Man, I wish I got that memo. But because <laughs> I just thought that's what everybody else did. I saw all these believers around me. I'm going, to go, sure they are. And Malachi 3:10 says, "Test me in this," God said. It's the only time in Scripture where you hear that. We're invited, we're urged to test the goodness of God, or what if Malachi is right? And see, here's the deal. We don't, we don't, I'm not preaching any kind of prosperity gospel or anything this morning, but I believe you will prosper but i can 't tell you how that will happen i don 't know what it 'll be from how you raise your kids to and what God protects you there i don 't know what that is. It could be through income, but it may not be i just don 't want to find out if I did <laughs> Just this week, God gives gifts God follows up God. I was praying this week for someone just because i 'd heard the person i hadn 't talked to this person in a year. Year and a half, maybe, and, and and used to be kind of a close friend, but nothing bad. Just they're not. I don't have him, him around anymore. And the Lord had brought their name to my mind the night before, so the next day I am on 40th Street. And those of you know where I live, 40th Street, getting onto I-10, praying for God. Brought them to my mind. I was praying for them, praying for their business. Just going, okay, Lord. I just, just yeah. I'm driving along a mile from where I was praying it, and there he is. <laughs> He's right there in front of me. So I go by him, look over. It's him. I see one of their company trucks. I thought, surely it's not him. It's him. So I go around him. He ends up following me. So I call him. I I call him and say, hey, you know what? And he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm two cars in front of you. I just think sometimes God just goes, here you go. It's just a little gift. Because there are times I don't hear God, I don't feel God, I don't see God, but I got to keep walking. And then there's times I'm not even worried about that. And he goes, "Here you go. Just take that. I know where you are. I know where." And there was another one this week that I won't take time to to share with you at this point. Maybe at a different time. He goes, "I see you." From a practical standpoint, most of you would know you would not want to be a part of a gym membership or an HOA or anything else where 15% of the people paid all the dues. You just wouldn't. You wouldn't attend it. Just from a practical standpoint. But it comes to being obedient. I believe obedience really is greater than sacrifice, the word says. And I can only become useful to the master. Uncommon, as we've talked about, when I begin to walk in that. I can't even be fully useful to you guys until I'm committed and I'm trying to be obedient in all things. I love what McManus says. On obedience, he said, obedience creates a spiritual epicenter. I love that. Think of an earthquake. Obedience creates a spiritual epicenter through which God shakes up the world around us and others come to know him. Whenever we seize the divine moment, we magnify the presence of God. To act on God's behalf is to express what's on his mind and what's on his heart. Calling committed followers. And if you're not there, I get it but calling committed followers to a minimum standard of tithing and exploring the joy of generosity. You know, the word joy and gift are the same word. They're the same meaning. When you begin to live into the gifts and weapons and and tools and you begin to walk in those things, it is joy that goes way beyond circumstances. What's at stake? I think that's a big question for all of us when we talk about living into the gift mix of what God's called us to, to live in using the gifts and graces, using the finances, whatever it is, our story I have to decide, and I told you this last week, I've got to make some decisions about my life. I'm not talking about whether I'm your pastor or not, but some how I operate. Toy put my slide up there. I've got a story, and you don't need to read it all right now, but this is part of my story, okay? This is what I've got to begin to live into. But one of mine is my spiritual gift, apostolic, was not there 10 years ago, but it is now. And that means to go start new work, start something new. Begin to plow ground where maybe there was never something before. God has gifted me with the gift of leadership and the prophetic. But over here, I still like affirmation in my love language. You may know your love language, but see, my affirmation there is just from a choice few, about a handful. The rest of you, I really don't care what you think. No, just kidding. No, no, but really, though, seriously, there are certain people. I want those closest to me to think the most of me. That's what I want. The rest of you, I love you, and I hope there's a good reputation and character and all those things you would read. But at the end of the day, those closest to me, I need affirmation from them. That I am trying to be who I've been called to be, and trying to live into it. So you look at all that. Go ahead and take that down. I don't want you to sit there and stare at that, but just take it down. But I got a story. We want you guys to live into your story. You've got experiences. You've got traits. I know how to clean houses. I know how to throw stuff away. You need me to come to your house? I'm really good at chunking stuff. My point is, no, don't please don't call me. That's not my. That is not where I'm going. My point is this. But when I need to, for whatever reason, I, I can. There's so much at stake. You have to, we have to decide if there is anything at stake, whether you live into this or not. You have to decide. I've already decided. Jan and I have already decided. There's something at stake. There is a battle to be fought, and I have realized along the way I didn't have all the tools I needed. But what I love about McManus and what he says is the, the, great reward, of, the, the reward of winning a great battle is a greater battle. And what's so awesome about that is you're no longer afraid of what you used to be afraid of because you dealt with that yesterday. What's the greater battle coming now? Don't you want to stick around and see what the fight was all about? Come on. There's been a fight for your life. You are unique. You are special. You are uncommon, like I said last week. You don't know anybody that's common. At least been born common. They may have been accepted to be a common. They may just want to be common. But I'm telling you, they were not born born common. They were born unique into the image of God. There's something at stake. There's something at stake financially. We as a church... Have got to be willing to step into the great issues of this this time and not run from it we should be the people of change instead of be the one changed except by him McManus goes on to say the great concern is we would have a generation that had no battle experience I carry this around occasion. I love this knife because my dad gave it to me before he passed away. Handing it down. Wouldn't mean much to much, many of you, but man, what it means to me. Been a few deer stuck with this. <laughs> Maybe some blood still there, I don't know. But the madness goes on. The great concern is we would have a generation that had no battle experience. There has to come a time, has to come a day where you get out of the village that's been been protected by those on the front line and you pick up your bow and you pick up your arrow and you pick up your sword and you pick up your weapon and you fight the fight of making the world a better place. It's time. It's time for some of you to get out from behind the people who've been fighting it up front. And be willing to step in and say, I want the tools. I want the weapons. Teach me. But I'll tell you what. If you come here and you want to stay at this stage the rest of your life, God bless you. We love you. Stay here. But I hope you're uncomfortable. (laughs) Because we're going to challenge you to continue to walk and continue to be stretched. Because I don't see anything else in Scripture that gives you an out on that. You may choose an out. You may choose not to go. They're okay. (laughs) But but that's not what I'm here. Might go but put that back up there real quick, Tori. Under my personality, unfortunately, this is who you have as your pastor. My number one thing is challenger. (laughs) Sorry. Either that or I gotta go somewhere else. Because I've got to live into the mix God has made me. And if I don't, I'm cheating you, and I'm cheating me, and I'm cheating the kingdom. But it is time for some of you to begin to let go of things. It's time you be stretched into something that you've not been stretched into before, and let God begin to do His work in the way, only way He can do it, and form you into something you never imagined. You were, but now you are. That's pretty awesome. This is good news. This message is good news. It's good news, not because I'm preaching, because I believe that's what God's desire for you. It's His desire for you. I'll ask to him to come as we close. As they're coming, I going to read three passages of Scripture for you. And I went way too long, but I knew I was in trouble when I got up here. But here we go. And I'm sorry about that. I, I just want to tell you, I know I preached on finances and everything today. You may not be there, but let me tell you, no matter what, you're significant and you're precious in his sight. I just want to assure you, you're okay here. But we just want you to live into everything God's called you to do. Three passages of Scripture before we sing, because I believe this is a weapon that God has given us. Psalm 23, as you'll see in the song. Would you stand with me as we read these? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for what? His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. Anybody there? Anybody walking through the darkest valley? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Doesn't sound very comforting, but that's what he says. You prepare a table before, before me in the presence of my enemies. Because he knows you've got the power to walk that eye. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever second chronicles 220 21 22 after consulting the people Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever and as they began to sing and praise the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated Re- revelation's twelve eleven. 11 they triumphed over him the enemy i talked about earlier by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. It's a great call that's been put on your life. You will never find a greater call, but it is a call. It's irrevocable, by the way. hate to tell you that, it's irrevocable. Now, whether you live into it, it's a different story, but it's irrevocable. Do you want the tools and the weapons to fight it out? or not? Let's sing together. Let's sing at the top of our lungs. I just love having us in here together. I think there's something special about what's happening in this room. With you guys guys, closer, closer, like I said. I love seeing the white of your eyes. I know that's a military term to shoot. Don't shoot till then, but that's how I feel about that. But I love the fact that we're here together. Let's sing together as we close.